The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Chiefs Kingdom, settle in because you are in for a great episode of the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room Podcast today. On the first Sunday without football since last summer, uh, we are we are here to talk about the 2022 offseason. Uh, my name is Ron Cobb Jr., lead analyst at Arrowhead Pride. And as usual, I'm joined, as always, by Talon Graff and Brian Stewart to break down everything about the Chiefs 2022 draft process. Fellows, real quick, how are we doing today? Doing well, man. Happy to be here. Definitely feels weird without football. That's uh, I know a lot of people are going through that right now. But uh, you know, got to dive into that film when when there when the when there's no game to scratch that itch. The funny thing about this time every year is I notice that um, my productivity beyond football goes way up. And thank goodness, <laughs> man. Thank goodness it's actually where I'm at in Missouri. It's nice outside today, so um, yes. I'm not cooped up looking at a TV that doesn't have football on it. But yeah, so I try to look at it that way, you know. It'll be an opportunity to do some things other than football, but also I got to set some time aside for for our Airhead Pride stuff and that's what we're here to do today. So, ready to roll, man. Yeah, no, you guys have been grinding. Uh Talon and Brian have been grinding on the draft stuff. Uh so we say we have a little more off time. I don't know how true that is, but you know, us three, we've talked amongst ourselves quite a bit on this pod. You guys have, have heard us debate stuff so far in the first two episodes, but it's time to bring in another voice, to bring in another perspective to the offseason. Our first guest of the podcast series, our coworker at AP, and a great read whenever he posts an article, Jared Sapp will be on with us today. Jared, thank you for coming on, first of all, but take this time to introduce yourself to the pod listeners. You know, not everyone is as frequent a uh, reader of the site, although you should be, um, as they are a listener of the pod, but you're making your AP Podcast Network debut, Jared. Uh, you know, welcome yourself to the uh, podcast network. Thank you. Um, my first podcast with Arrowhead Pride. Been yes. writing since uh, right before training camp this past season. Lately, I've been doing a lot of work on contract extensions, free agencies, salary cap. Been a lot more into that than the draft. And this is just a weird time of year. Like, the Chiefs kind of spoiled me. This used to be the time of year that I transitioned to college hoops. And, <laughs> and I, I can't just, I just can't let go of the NFL season anymore. Dude, 
Oh my gosh, Jared. That's so funny you say that. Cause I was, I've been saying lately, like usually I'm a huge KU guy, you know, talent's got his KU stuff right behind him. Usually I'm so into KU by this time, you know, January, February, once conference play starts getting really, you know, exciting. And yeah, I'm with you, man. I can't, I just can't get into it. Uh, I have, I have no, I, I have no desire to watch a KU game. It kind of sucks, but, uh, that's just what the NFL is now, man. It's a beast. And yeah, you mentioned it, Jared. You've been doing great stuff. Uh, you wrote, you know, a great article on Tyreek Hill a few weeks ago on, you know, possible contract extension. We'll get on that kind of stuff. But you know, you're just great on the numbers, great on the cap stuff. And so, yeah, if, if anyone's curious about, you know, Jared's stuff, go and check out the website after you listen to this podcast, obviously. But yeah, no, we're excited. Um, we're excited to got you, get you on a couple weeks before free agency, actually, two or three weeks. I keep saying a couple, but. We still got some time. We're recording this on February. What? Today is the 20th. Uh, March 14th is when free agency opens up. So we still got some time. But, you know, there's a lot to talk about free agency wise. Um, and the Chiefs right now, uh, John Dixon at ArrowheadPride.com does a great job uh, keeping track of our cap space, uh, you know, on the site. And right now he has it at $2.5 million they have available in cap to spend this offseason, which doesn't sound like a lot. <laughs> Sounds like actually uh, very little. Um, and so, you know, this is the thing with the, the sal salary cap. It's never as, as real as that. It's never as, as easy as just seeing that number and that's how much they have. Jared, that's how I want, where I want to start out today. And I'm going to let you lead us on this discussion a little bit. Uh, but Talon and Brian, make sure you chime in when you do have any any notes or anything. But I want I want to see I want your opinion, Brian or Jared, um, on just where you think the Chiefs could open up some cap space and how much they can. And, you know, because we know the Chiefs want to be active in offseason. Off They're not going to be a team that sits around on their hands. Um, but they're going to have to make some moves. So any specific moves stand out to you uh, to, to kick off this podcast that uh, you think could be a way for them to free up some cap space so they can be uh, movers this offseason? Well, the big thing that you can take to the bank, they're going to use Mahomes as a bank again. He has – his contract is highly tied to, um, I believe, a – he has a roster bonus of 27, a little over $27 million that it's already vested. He's already earned it. He earned it by being on the roster at the start of the league year in 2021. And he has a giant roster bonus for next year. It vests the moment he's on the roster when this league coming league year starts. They kind of intended to do when they made his contract, these roster bonuses, they can, without even talking to him, they say, well, now it's a signing bonus the cap charge gets spread out over the next five years. So yeah, they're going to pay him $27 million here coming up, but only 20% of that's going to count against the cap. And that's instantly going to open up at about $21 million. Is there any, is there any other, uh, you know, kind of contract restructures that stand out to you kind of like that? I know the Mahomes one is automatic, like you just mentioned, but I know. And, and like I said, you mentioned earlier, you, you wrote a Tyreek, Hill, um, a potential extension too earlier this earlier this month. Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones, they both have roster bonuses coming up at the start of the league year. I believe Travis Kelsey does as well. I don't think there's as much money to clear by restructuring Travis Kelsey as there was last year. Chris Jones, you could restructure him, but he's only under contract this year, next year. So restructuring him again, it's going to really balloon his cap number for 2023 to about $35 million now. I mean, maybe they would pay that. Maybe they wouldn't because it's really just a matter of moving money from this year to next year. 
but I kind of think they're going to leave Chris Jones alone like they left Frank alone before, although it doesn't really change the money they owe Jones very much. It just kind of moves a lot of it from this year to next year. Tyree kills the interesting one because he's in the last year of his contract. Yeah. So there's nothing really to restructure unless they can get him to agree to a new deal. I kind of think that's got to be on their priority to get him yeah. to sign a new deal because and he's set to count about $20 million over the cap. If you can take this giant roster bonus, he's about to get all of his roster bonus money. I think he gets about $12 million at the start of the league year. I think he gets um, like another $2 million when he reports to camp. Okay. They can take all of that and turn it into a signing bonus as part of a new contract. I mean, mm-hmm. he can probably open up over $10 million that way. Yeah. So, you know, that's the beauty of, of how I feel like Veach is, is kind of, you know, developed this core of players. You know, those are all very essential players and they're all going to be willing to, you know, kind of work with the team to do that kind of stuff. Uh, Tyreek, yeah, they've had him on a on way too cheap of a deal for for a little bit. Uh, you know, Chiefs got lucky there. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be able to uh, demand quite a bit, you know, but, with a potential new deal. But you also have to think Tyreek probably watched the Super Bowl and saw what happened to Odell Beckham, and maybe he's a little more motivated to just get something done now. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I mean, Tyreek's a guy you definitely don't want to, you know, I don't think there's any debate. You know, there's some stars like that you you kind of, you know, debate on, you know, when to cut bait, and and, and there's no way. I don't think anyone is, is arguing the other side of, you know, whether or not to sign Tyreek long-term or not. But, you know, you talked about guys already existing on the team that are that are just kind of moving money around. Let's talk about some guys that are on the team now that could not be on the team in 2022, obviously. I, I should say they're on the 2022 roster, but they could be cut to make space, make some room, some cap casualties. And this is where I'm going to bring you guys in, Talon and Brian, um, get your opinion first on, you know, there's two major ones, I think. And and there are some other ones, Jared, maybe you'll touch on a few others, maybe. Um, but there's two cap casualties that could really, you know, save or, yeah, save significant cap space. And we all know them by now. Frank Clark and Anthony Hitchens. Frank Clark cutting him straight up saves about 13 million against the cap and Hitch is about 8 million. Anthony Hitchens 8 million. Talon, I'll start with you. First of all, between which one of these two, you know, I guess this is where we'll start off. I, I want to hear your opinion on which one of these two do you think is more likely to happen or which one of these two do you are you more in favor of happening maybe if there could only be one or the other? That's a really tough question, man. Um cuz when you look at Frank Clark, I know that a lot of people would say him just because of you feel like his production has not equaled the number that we've been paying him, um, especially moving forward. You're just not sure how how much he's going to give you. And then Anthony Hitchens, you know, you got to look at the future there. You got to because he, in my opinion, had probably the best season he's had as a chief just this past year. Um, I, you know, he played lights out, but you got Willie Gay, you got Nick Bolton. Those guys are, are ready to take on a much bigger role. And when you're paying a guy the money you're paying Hitchens, you can't you can't justify that when he's not on the field every single down. So I think when you look at that one, yeah, Anthony Hitchens is a more most likely and B probably the one I would go to if you only could pick, could pick one. Brian, what are your thoughts on those two? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, do you just go ahead and do both or, or is there, is there a reason one of them really needs to be on the roster compared to maybe the other one? It's probably both. I, I'm definitely on board with the Hitchens thing because the answers are in house. You, you already have his replacement or replacements in some ways. So there's really no benefit to keeping him or renegotiating. I don't think it's only going to 
kind of put a cap on what Nick Bolton could be. And I think we all expect that, you know, he, he's a potential cornerstone player uh, in the long-term picture for the defense. On the case of Clark, I'm kind of with Talon that there is a scenario where, okay, the best use of their cap space is just to try to get his number down. And, and because if you cut him um, and he's counting 12 million against your cap to not be on the roster, just 12 million of, of useless money. Um, you know, it, it's probably better if we can get him back somewhere in that 15, 14, 16, even that's probably worth more than just getting rid of him altogether. So I think you got to have that conversation and see just how bad he does want to stick around. Um, but other, he definitely isn't coming back at, at the current cap number. There's no doubt. Well, the other part of that too is is it's not like you can just feel good about cutting him real quick and then just saying, hey, we can get a replacement right away, right? Uh, you know, there are some good names, some big names on the market in terms of edge rushers. You know, guys like Von Miller, Chandler Jones, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, even a guy like Calias Campbell is more of a defensive tackle now, but still a big name. Um, you know, Emmanuel Ogba, me made him a low-key name. Melvin Ingram, obviously, out there. But the thing is, you know, all those guys are pretty old that I just mentioned. And, you know, you're not going to want to maybe give give any of those guys a, a big deal anyway. You know, and, and who knows if they even are going to, you know, if you're guaranteed to get one of those guys. So, you know, I think you guys are right. There might be an opportunity for Frank to, to kind of, you know, by default, you know, still be in Kansas City. Obviously, he wants to be here. He's, he's expressed that. Jared, what are your thoughts are these two pretty automatic for you, or is there something to you know either of those players that you you'd really want to see them try to make something work where they are on the twenty two and two roster? I think they're ultimately both going to be cut. Just, I mean, that's twenty million dollars between them. That's over twenty million dollars more that you can open. Yeah, I think they're probably going to do the professional thing and probably cut Anthony Hitchens before the combine, so that his agent. Um, Cause I'm sure his agent has people who will be working out at the combine. I think that they'll do the right thing and give him time ahead of unrestricted free agency to find the best place to continue his career. I think they're probably going to cut Frank Clark in the end, but it won't be surprising to me if they wait into free agency to make sure that they secure a replacement for him. And also you know, the news of the Sammy Watkins pay cut a couple years ago, that came a couple weeks into free agency, kind of after a lot of the big money had dried up. If he's going to take a pay cut, I think it would probably be a similar situation where they kind of string him along for a couple weeks. I, I, I also think that Frank's kind of tied to Tyron, like, because if you're moving on from Tyron, then you almost just want to you know, start from scratch and make the defense either either build it on the leadership of your young guys who are already there or bring in some new faces um, and, and free agency. If Tyron comes back, it's a little bit easier to swallow that pill of keeping Clark at whatever that price tag is going to be on a, on a pay cut because, OK, we kept we kept Matthew. The leadership really doesn't need to change that much. Just just a thought. Well, the only thing with that, I'd say, though, is that if you're bringing back Matthew, you bring him back at a certain number, right? And then you have to add that on to the Clark deal. Um, that's where it could. But I, I do know what you're saying, because I do think we saw that after 2018, the complete it was a leadership rehaul, right? I mean, there was a lot of just overall players rehauled. But, you know, there were more players kept that just weren't necessarily the leaders of the defense. It was the leadership that was re, that was overhauled, I should say, on that defensive unit after the 2018 season. But. 
I want to get to another way the Chiefs could maybe get some cap space moved around. You know, one of their unrestricted free agents this year is left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. Obviously, the Chiefs traded for him last offseason, you know, using a first-round pick. So, you know, you're kind of backed into a, a place where you're the Chiefs where, you know, the player and the agent know, hey, I, you traded a lot for me. You know, we kind of have leverage in terms of we th- don't think you're going to let us walk in free agency. Um, they want to maybe try to get a long-term deal done. Obviously, he's a franchise tag candidate. Jared, I'm curious your thoughts or, you know, what you know about the situation in terms of is there what is the benefit of, hey, maybe just getting a long term deal done right now without even maybe messing around? With, obviously, he's probably going to get tagged no matter what, you know, and then they'll negotiate the long term deal. But is there benefit is there benefit to them just getting it done maybe right away so they have cap space quicker or what are, what are just your thoughts on, you know, how they can handle that? Or man. KC's OBJ is not going anywhere. I think we all agree on that. Yes. He um Brett Veach has made that very clear. I feel yes. like. I mean, yeah. The I mean the thing with the franchise tag, you know, you're gonna snap a finger with Patrick Mahomes and open up $21 million worth of cap space. The moment you put that franchise tag on Orlando Brown, he's gonna count. I believe for offensive linemen, the cap's projected at 16.5 million. The tag's projected to be $16.5 million for offensive linemen. So automatically, you know, close to 80% of the money you just opened is already spent. Um, now, if you look at Spotrack and you look at his market value, they're projecting his market value is $23 million a year. So she might just be justified in putting the tag on him and say, you know, we got a left tackle for two years and paid him less than $20 million over two years. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they should probably think about, right? Because you're right. As soon as they, as soon as they kind of, you know, wade into those waters of a long-term deal. I mean, that's the thing. Though. I'm sure they can maybe backload some money. Yes. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, it's still going to be a hefty contract. And as I mentioned at the top, you know, with them having that leverage, right? I mean, you, they don't, they know the Chiefs are not going to want to trade an asset like they did and just, you know, let them walk because that number's too high. So they kind of have some, some you know, some leverage in that situation and negotiating. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that that situation should get resolved pretty quick. Right. I mean, the franchise tag deadlines, March 8th. So we'll see what they want to do about that. You know, Hey, Tyron Matthew is still technically a candidate for the franchise tag. Um, you know, it does seem like Orlando Brown makes sense the most, but maybe they do just get something done long-term Jared. Is there, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on maybe Tyron being a possibility for the, for the franchise tag? So there's a stipulation with the franchise tag that the franchise tag can't cause you to take a pay cut. Tyron already made much more last season. Wow. Okay. The safety franchise tag, like the safety franchise tag, I think is only going to be about $13 million. He made more than that. Ah. So if you franchise him, I believe he's looking at getting 120% of it's either his last year's cap number or his last average per year. Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't, I think that's a non starter. Yeah. And it just, I mean, you know, I, it, it doesn't really make sense to franchise tag him in general. Um, and that's why, you know, when we talk, when we all kind of yeah, maybe, and that's why we have Jared. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, see, this is why he's on the pod, listeners. I mean, that is stuff that us three dummies would have never been able to tell you. So, uh, no, but that's the thing. I mean, you know, we, we kind of all maybe talk a little bit like he's he's already off the team, Tyron. 
I mean, you know, we didn't if the deal should have got done last summer if it was going to happen, right? So I think that's kind of the the point I keep coming back to. Why would they franchise tag him? You know, the contract negotiation part, I feel like that's kind of uh come and gone. So um I don't know, Jared. Do you is it or should we all just pretty much assume that he's gone or or maybe am I are we getting a little too ahead of ourselves? What do you think? I think we're a little ahead of ourselves and yeah. mainly I think the safety market and free agency has been very unpredictable the last couple of years. I mean, I mean, you got some guys who I thought for sure would sign three-year deals who have signed a couple one-year deals and then just kind of disappeared into obscurity. I'm not 100% sure that with him about to turn 30, anybody's going to pay up the money that everybody expects him to get. I mean, I predict – I predict he'll sign somewhere else after um, Sam Madison's now gone to Miami. I kind of predict that he might be heading down there. But yeah. I also think safety in general, it's it's really hard to predict. what it, Unless you got a yeah. player who's like 25 entering free agency who's been a pro bowler, I think it's a very hard position to project in free agency. Yeah, and, and it is hard to project Tyron because I do think he's a very unique player in terms of, you know, he doesn't necessarily fit what most players want in terms of physical profile at safety. Um, but he just gets it done. He's obviously the leadership aspect is important and teams value that. So it is kind of hard to know exactly what his market is. I could see, you know, teams throwing everything they can at to get him because I do think there's something about getting a championship culture guy like that in their in their locker room. But We'll see, man, you know, and, and maybe there is maybe he is, you know, good enough with taking a pretty hefty hometown discount to uh, stay in Kansas City where he really wants to be. Obviously, you know, he's built a home here. He's he's you know, or I shouldn't say built a home, but, you know, established a home here. But anyway, this is where I want to maybe turn the page, uh, Brian and Talon, get your thoughts on the history of Brett Veach and how he attacks an offseason. Um, you know, we've only seen four full off seasons with Brett Beach as the as the GM. You know, he took over obviously midway through the 2017 off season after John Dorsey was fired. You know, the year we took Patrick Mahomes in the draft. Obviously, Beach gets all the credit for that. Um, and so, in those four years, we've learned some things, haven't we? Uh, you know, he 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 definitely likes to make some big signings, right? I think right off the bat, he signed Sammy Watkins in 2018 before we even know what Patrick Mahomes is. You know, Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew, both big, big swings in 2019. COVID year after they won the Super Bowl, run it back year is kind of different. But then last year we see Joe Tooney and Orlando Brown come in, both obviously big names in the NFL market. So he likes to take big swings. Just go in on like what position you think uh, they could maybe overhaul, what position group, uh, what kind of, you know, we've, I know Brian wrote a great article about the defensive line. Is that maybe the position they're going to go? Or, you know, where can Veach maybe be? you know, pretty aggressive in uh, free agency this year. Uh, what positions do you think? Yeah, he said it where he kind of puts priority on the trenches. And and I think we might see what we saw with the offensive line last year with the defensive line this year. Um, and a couple of splashy names that have been tossed out, you know, the, the Josh Allen trade for Jacksonville now that Collins in town um, has been a pretty hot topic. And then you also look at a guy like Demarcus Lawrence from Dallas, um, and man, Brett, he, 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 he's pretty, he's pretty loose with those first round picks, man. He doesn't like to, um, keep those in house. Really Clyde Edwards Hilaire is really the only first round pick he's, he's made with the chiefs. Um, 
you know, you look at Orlando Brown, Frank Clark, or not Frank Clark, but um, Patrick Mahomes, like those guys ate up some of those first round picks. And I don't know, man, when you, when you think about the money issues, you, you got to hit on some first round picks and get, you know, five years out of those guys on rookie contracts. So I don't know. I'm really eager to see what he does with the first round pick this year. Yeah, no, that we're not Gary. I think Jared was the one to set it in the Slack group chat that, you know, we, we shouldn't be uh, just expecting that they'll be picking day one. Um, and uh, I think that's smart because uh, Brett has shown that he likes to take swings. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Brian, is there a certain position you'd like to see him take a swing on in particular? Or is there, uh, you know, or are you just looking to see a swing in general? Because I think there are a few positions that could use a big swing at them. But what are you thinking? So philosophically, I'm all about the defensive line thing. I, I think we see it every year when you get down to the you know final four Super Bowl teams that have defensive lines who can make these great quarterbacks, you know, make life really hard on them just just by being more physical than the opponent and really setting the tone. I, I want to see that. I also want to see them and expect them to take a swing at wide receiver. Um, and what that looks like, who that is, you know, the list goes on and on, but, um, big picture. I do also, I, I think the defensive line is where we're going to see a lot of action because what, what Veach can't really afford to do is kind of like what happened last year at left tackle. You were so close to the draft and it was either sit at the end of the first round and hope that a guy you like falls or go out and make the aggressive move and trade for a yeah. I don't think he wants to be in that position again, because like town yeah. said, you keep trading these first round picks and you get good players. That's great. But the problem is, is you have to pay Josh Allen from the Jaguar. You got to pay him now. Um, yeah. And so you can only do that so much before you can't even keep your own guys, the guys you're hitting on in the second and third and fourth round. So um, I think he really needs to solidify that before you know, free agency is really kind of over with. So we're not in that position um, where it's got to get desperate. I think that's a great point because you're right. He was kind of in where, you know, imagine if that trade doesn't go down. Imagine if the Ravens are so stubborn, like, hey, we do not want to trade a guy like this to an AFC contender rival. Um, you know, where were, where would they be at left tackle, next, you know, this year? That That's an interesting point. Um, Jared, when you think about, what you can take away from, you know, Veach's off seasons. Uh, what if, what if, what do you think you can learn from what he's done in his GM career so far? And how could that maybe apply to how he attacks this off season? Every off season he's done free agency. He's had a player pretty much signed and all but official during the, the tampering period for the couple of days before free agency. His first, his first off season, he had, I believe Anthony Hitchens and Sammy Watkins signed before free agency started. He had Tyron Matthews signed before free agency started. He didn't, yeah. that didn't happen during the COVID year during the run it back. But then last year he had uh, Joe Tooney signed during the tampering period. So yeah. I, mean, I, dev I think you should expect that the chiefs will have a player signed. I'm not sure it's going to be a defensive lineman just because I think some of the guys who are available are really going to, maybe take their time to pick the best fit on a shorter deal due to the age of some of the top players. But I definitely think you will see a semi-name free agent sign, have, a, have a deal with the Chiefs almost immediately. 
Yeah, you're right. I remember Tooney was like the first guy I feel like signed at all, like in general. I mean, he was the first big name to drop, I feel like, last year. Um, yeah, no, that's a great point. That's something we definitely got to watch out for. Uh, you know, Veach, is, Veach gets out in front of it, right? You know, Veach kind of has a plan, and, uh, it, it, you know, it does seem like he has kind of tiers of plans where, yeah, he's going to attack right away, and if that doesn't work, then he kind of has that second tier of plan. Um, and, and I think we kind of saw that come to fruition last year. I think Orlando Brown obviously was not plan one, right? Trent Williams was plan A, um, and he did not win that uh, battle and get that signing. But it'll be interesting. Brett Veach, obviously a very young GM, still learning stuff. We talked about it last pod. You know, he he was even looking in the CFL for guys. You know, there's gonna be he's, he's he might be evolving as we as we go here. How he find finds uh, new players and, and and adds to the team. So, but with that. Uh, we're going to move on to maybe a, a more of talking about kind of what has already happened this offseason. And I think this is interesting, Jared. You wanted to touch on this. Um, the fact that this offseason, so far the new, the only really news, you know, true news we've gotten so far, Chiefs-wise, is the fact that they did hire a new defensive line coach, uh, Joe Colon. He was actually the defensive coordinator in Jacksonville last year, so he, he called plays on the defensive side um, in Jacksonville. Just the one year, he was the defensive line coach for Baltimore for about five seasons before that. He is the new defensive line coach, and that means Brendan Daly is being moved to linebacker coach. Obviously, Daly is taking over from Matt House, who is now the defensive coordinator for the LSU Tigers uh, down in you know down in Baton Rouge. But, Jared, I want, I want you to, to kick us off here. You, you kind of, you know, we, we know Joe Cullen maybe has a little different, you know, technique background or, or how he calls his defense maybe a little bit different than what Spags has done. Uh, maybe touch on that and just what are your thoughts on how that could maybe impact how the Chiefs uh, look at free agency? I mean, to me, it's a big mystery because if you look, especially at Colin's time with the Ravens, just a wide variety of different players coming through there. And I know mostly they ran a 3-4. I know when, when we're kind of planning for this, Brian pointed out that it's that's kind of a data terminology. It's just – I think everybody can predict what kind of defensive lineman Steve Spagnuolo wants. I think it's harder to predict, you know, which kind of guy fits with what Joe Cullen likes to do. And I think that could maybe open up some free agency, some free agent targets who maybe the Chiefs wouldn't have considered in the past, who maybe now they're more likely to go after. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, so I do think there's one interesting part about, uh, you know, you're talking about 
how he's been a three, four guy front, a three, four front guy, which, you know, as, as much as, you know, Brian has a good point where, you know, most teams are nickel, you know, 70% of the time nowadays. So, you know, your sub package front is going to look like a, a four, three either way. But I do think there is something to, you know, in your base package, when you're learning your position, you know, in training camp in the summer and stuff, it is just different if you're a three, four defensive end playing five tech a lot, or, you know, you're playing obviously four, three defensive end Leo and the wide nine, all that kind of thing. So I do think there is importance to that. And the fact that Brandon Daly in New England, I mean, New England plays a base three, four a lot too. They, you know, they change up their fronts, obviously, but I think, you know, Daly was kind of came from that, you know, where they're playing uh, two gap a lot too, you know, uh, double gap in uh, the defensive line. I'm playing head up more than, than uh, single gap. So what if we're kind of maybe seeing a transition to where maybe daily, you know, daily getting that linebacker job, I think speaks to him getting more experience to become a defensive coordinator. Eventually, you know, maybe, maybe they are maybe prepping for daily to become that DC. And maybe he wants a three, four type of base when he is making the decisions right over a Spagnolo. Obviously we don't know that this is pure speculation, but you know, I do think daily is a guy that if the chiefs, you know, if, if, if Spags is going to keep being the DC, the Chiefs do need to think that through because Daly is going to be a good defensive coordinator in this league, in my opinion. And if, if they may need to kind of go to that quicker than maybe other situations because he might get poached eventually. And you don't want to lose out on that. He's been in the building now um, and he'd be a great younger defensive coordinator kind of, you know, uh, take over for when that happens. But this also brings up a good point. You've mentioned Jared that they're on the that he's been on the Ravens and the Jaguars last few years. Some players that have been there. This is where I want your guys' opinion. Tal, I'll start with you. You know, one guy that's been in Jacksonville that's kind of been rumored to be maybe a, a guy that you know in a new regime, maybe they trade, cut bait with, uh, get some draft capital for Josh Allen, the former top ten pick, the pass rusher. Um, he obviously, like I said, you know, Colin was a DC last year. There's that connection there. Um, what are your thoughts on maybe making that kind of big splash? We talk about Meech making big splashes. It could be trading for a guy like Josh Allen, who is who's kind of an underrated player because I do think he plays in Jacksonville. Um, Talon, do you have any thoughts on Josh Allen or just in general, uh, maybe, you know, using using Colin's connection? Because a guy like Taven Bryan, if you guys remember him from a few years ago, the first round pick, he is also a free agent. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, using that connection to maybe get some some players? Yeah, I mean, usually when you get a new guy like that, um, you, you try to get him some familiar faces, and, and Josh Allen is a familiar face, too, and Brian is a familiar face. It just it eases the 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 integration of the new guy in, with the, in the new place. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all. And Josh Allen is, is one of those, you know, high-marquee guys that that is a splashy move. And, yeah, he kind of is in purgatory in Jacksonville, and that happens to a lot of guys, it seems. So, um yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he all of a sudden comes in and and and, and just flips a switch and becomes an All Pro or Pro Bowl type of player for Kansas City. But again, um, you know, as we kind of alluded to, that's 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 money that Chiefs not don't necessarily have. Well, I mean, he is on his rookie deal still. You know, they could kind of play that game, um, but you don't want to trade too much for a guy that you may not end up signing. And pass rusher is the type of position that you're gonna have to empty the bank to uh, sign. Brian, any thoughts on you know? that maybe make it a big splash move like that. Another two guys I want to mention too, that you can keep in mind. Maybe he was the Ravens defensive line coach. And you know, for those four or five years, you know, a guy like Calias Campbell's a free agent right now could have that connection. Also nose tackle Brandon Williams. I feel like he's been a solid player for Baltimore, obviously a little older, but just wanted to throw those out there too. There are some 
paths for a guy, a colon guy coming into the building because of that relationship. Uh, what do you think? I like those last two names a lot. So if you think about Williams, he's a Missouri guy. Um, he played his college ball in Joplin uh, at Missouri Southern. And then Calias Campbell, he is the only reason he's going to keep playing is to try to get a ring. That's the only motivation he has at this point to go through another season. So, and he's a, somebody we've heard talk really high of Mahomes before. So maybe you call him and say, hey, we can't promise you that many reps. And he may not even want that many at this point. But we can give you maybe your best chance to win a Super Bowl. That's what I would do. I hope we don't find ourselves in the Josh Allen situation just because I don't want to – I'd rather draft. Um, I think that edge rusher that they can develop is going to be there in the draft if they just really want it. Uh, they might even have to trade up a little bit. but uh, And that way you don't have to pay them the huge contract. Bottom line, though, um, I just think they're going to go and, and, and try to sign some defensive linemen who can win their matchups one-on-one. That's something we haven't seen enough of. You know, Chris Jones is really the only one whose win rate has been exceptional in the last couple of years. Yeah. And so I think the focus is going to be because they kind of went against conventional wisdom with Melvin Ingram, signed a, somebody who was a 3-4 outside linebacker, shorter arms, just not the kind of body Spags loved, but he fit right in, and, and he won a lot of matchups one-on-one uh, rushing yeah. the passers. So I think that that's going to be really above all what they're trying to do. Let's let's get guys who can who can win, period. Yeah. No, you're, you're 100% right, man. I mean, you know, a guy like Frank Clark, you know, some of the frustration with him is – you know, do you see him just really win one-on-one, you know, a rep a lot? I mean, he's a very, he, he can be a very solid player, very hard guy to block in terms of just against the run. You know, he's, he's, he, he's stout. Um, you know, he's never, never easy to block in a pass rush, but you know, at some point you just need to beat that guy, get to the quarterback. And Chris Jones is really the only guy that does it on any sort of consistent basis on this team. Um, and Melvin Ingram also uh, was. So um, I want to move ahead to talking about the history of, of Brett Veach's draft history. We talked about his free agent uh, free agency preview in terms of how he attacks the offseason in general, you know, but let's, let's kind of fast forward a little bit, look at his drafts drafting in general, Jared, you wanted to talk about this. So I want you to kind of, you know, steer where this with conversation is going to go, but you know, he's had four drafts, you know, he's only had one first round pick as we've mentioned, and it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, when you look at how Brett Veach has has built this roster, built this team in these last four drafts, because you know, a small, you know, when we talk about Brett Veach after one draft, after two drafts, that's really a small sample size. Four drafts is a pretty good sample size to go off of. You see, you know, the, that obviously those 2018 guys, 2019 guys have, have developed, um, you know, or have you know gone along, so you can see what they've kind of become as products. But Jared. Where do you want to start in terms of talking about how Brett Veach has used a draft to construct this roster? To me, when I look at his drafts, it seems like he's kind of goes in three phases. It looks like he has put a big priority on immediate roles for his first two picks. I mean, even Braylon Speaks, who I think is universally considered a bust, he played a lot his rookie year. I mean, he's some. I, I hardly ever want to think of one play as defining a guy's career, but I've always kind of wondered – you know, if he brings Tom Brady down in that game in the backfield, <laughs> I, I wonder if that changes how the rest of his career went. Um, but I mean, speaks and not speaks and not. He played a lot as rookies. Yeah. Uh, his next draft. Um, yeah. I mean, Juan, Thornhill, 
Juan Thornhill, you know, as a rookie, played quite a bit. They kind of needed a safety at that time. Um, you know, that was Tyron's first year, too. McCall Hardman looked – on draft night, McCall Hardman looked like the wide receiver that you needed immediately on yeah. draft night. It's a good call. Um, I think his next draft was Clyde and Willie. I think Willie probably would have played a lot more as a rookie if he'd had a normal offseason coming in. It was hit by COVID, and then this year – you know, Bolton and Humphrey. Yeah, I wasn't really happy with the positions they hit first, but I mean, they already look like they're two of the best in the league at those positions. Yeah, which you know that makes it a lot easier to argue with his stra- or argue for his strategy. But no, you just hit on something that I, that stands out to me when I look at his draft history. Just the fact that he is a little too comfortable taking non-premium positions at premium draft capital in terms of. Line, you know, off ball linebackers and and with the top 50, 60 picks back to back years, a running back with your first round pick, an interior offensive lineman with your second round pick, you know, even even a guy like you know, I know it's in the third round, but it's an early third round pick in Derek Naughty, you know, it, he has been a great player for what he is, and it, you know, the third round pick is probably valued at what he, you know, it's probably good value for what you got from him, but. It is a non-premium position, right? It's it's a one-tech run stuffer that's not really going to give you much pass rush upside. That's not what you want in today's NFL. You're not, and and he just hasn't really spent premium. He hasn't really spent top draft capital on premium positions. Talon, where do you think, or what do you think about Veach's just kind of unwillingness? What positions would you like to see him maybe take a more of a swing on in the draft? Um, I don't know. What do you, what are just your thoughts on? Just how he's kind of handled, you know, because he's 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 brought in good players, but we do need to see more swings at the edge rushers, the receivers, the you know. So, are is there a particular p- position you'd like to maybe see him kind of address a little more when it comes to higher draft picks? Yeah, man, and and he's gotten some flack for it. I think someone even asked a question uh, in a press conference, but his his uh, the the way he values cornerbacks, you know, you, you yeah, Jerry Sneed, Rashad Fenton, both kind of later round guys. Um, he takes a lot of chances. Um, uh, the most recent one obviously didn't pan out Arnett, but then uh, you look at, um, my God, his name escapes me. Baker, DeAndre Baker. Yeah, um, Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes, yeah. These guys that are kind of cast-offs or maybe, um, you know, second-chance guys. But I want to see him take a chance on a first-round guy at, in the cornerback position. I want to see uh, maybe even a trip for a sauce gardener. Maybe, you know, be aggressive. Go get somebody that can be a shutdown corner in Spagnuolo's defense and and really help out that front seven and get some coverage sacks. And um, I, I, that's what I want to see. I think it's nice to hit on some of these deep round guys, but cornerback is a, is is arguably the most uh, important position on defense in these days. Brian, I'm curious what you think. Uh, do you agree with Town? That's kind of the position that you'd really like to see maybe him switch his philosophy on or? Is there another position you'd kind of like to see a first-round pick swing on? The thing with Veach is we've talked before. Like I think he's very honest. I don't think he is lying at, at the rate that a lot of NFL personnel coaching types do when they're on the press conferences. And so, like, I think it's less philosophical towards one position than it is just his philosophy as a whole. And so – a lot of these years recently, I think what's happened is he's took a step back, said, okay, what am I most likely to, where am I most likely to find a corner who who might be able to play some starting reps? And for whatever reason, each year, 
based on their draft board rankings and their free agency rankings. I think it's just so happened kind of like that they felt like, okay, we're better off trying this, you know, rehashing a former first round pick at that position. And because you saw it a few years ago, he did it with Emmanuel Ogba and it, and it kind of worked out a little bit. Like I, I think it just is very circumstantial. And so this year it's a pretty good cornerback class. I mean, I just wrote an article about the top 10 entering the um, combine. If he wants one at the end of the first round, I think he can, he can get one that, that can come in and play. And so then it just becomes, how does everything play out between now and then? And you do, do they sign a corner before then? And so you don't really feel the need to expend that first rounder on it. Um, that sort of thing, you know, but you're right, Ron, like just, for whatever the reason, these last few years, the picks have been at these positions that are maybe not as important. But as long as they're good players, right, I think it it can afford him some opportunities. It's like this year, you don't need a center. You don't need a Mike linebacker. Yeah. So maybe you take a couple swings at the end, free agency, draft, you know. So, like, as long as they're good players, I think it'll be okay, but – but you're it, it's coming down the pipe. I think big swings are coming down the pipe at at these premium spots. Well, you know, you hit on something kind of important there is that, you know, the, these GMs are smart enough to know, hey, sometimes the draft tells you this is a draft where I need to to kind of bunker down and, you know, there's, I'm not going to find a Creed Humphrey in, in every draft this late in the second round, right? You know, because I do think a lot of people, you know, you, you hear draft talk right now. I think a lot of people think to this year's class is a little weaker than other classes. Maybe that's when you take your swings, right? Maybe that's when, you know, hey, there's not as many safe prospects. There's not as many, you know, Nick Bolton, Creed Humphreys, where I can get a starter quality guy in the bottom of the second round. So I'm going to take my swings, right? And and if it's a bad class, it's a bad class. You know, maybe that's not the way to go about it. But um, Jared, another thing I, I, you know, ever since we talk about Breland Speaks a little bit, you know, has he kind of gotten spooked from p- taking pass rusher kind of early? Because that was his first ever pick as a GM, and he has not taken a significant swing at pass rusher since in the draft, at least. Obviously, he trades for Frank Clark. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, I, that's just a note, uh, an observation I had. But any other just takeaways from from Veach's history or things you want to hit on um, from his draft history? I mean, I'm not somebody who's going to say he's bad at the draft. He has found a lot of good players. I think he's pretty good at. You know, especially like the draft, I think he drafts guys for specific roles. So they look like really good picks. I I mean, one thing that I see a lot of is like, are, are we really going to find an edge rusher at pick 30? In last year's draft, you know, the 30th overall pick, I believe, was Gregory Rousseau. And the 31st overall pick with the pick we traded to the Ravens was uh, Odefe Owe. Yep. And both, the, I mean... Oh, he pretty much ended the Chiefs game against the Ravens with that fumble he forced on Clyde. Yeah. And, you know, Greg, then we saw firsthand Gregory Rousseau had, I believe, had the pick six off of Mahomes. And both those guys, I think, look like top edge players for the life of their contract. Uh, the one thing on Edge Rusher, it kind of goes back to a few minutes ago, I'm going to shoot down. I do not think a new coaching staff in Jacksonville is going to show up and trade Josh Allen away. I think right. <laughs> the fans who have saw Jalen Ramsey wind his way out of town, saw Yannick and uh pretty much force a trade. I can't imagine a new coaching staff 
is going to start off their tenure by trading a possible blue chip player to the best team in their conference. Yeah. Especially because it, you know, it's not like they're hurting for draft capital cap space. I mean, maybe a little bit, I guess they could use maybe a little more. I I can't off the top of my head know exactly where they're. Sorry to take us back there. I just meant to get that in there. Oh, oh yeah. You're good, man. No, this is, uh, you know, we're, we're all about the jumping around on, on the, uh, on the AP draft room, but, uh, no, so that that's that's good stuff on Brett Veach. I think that's a great way to preview free agency because you know it's coming, guys, and there's going to be some some things happening. I think the way we've previewed the positions makes sense, right? And 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 you know the ways that everyone should kind of preview and how what positions are even uh, you know should even be looked at in terms of the big names and free agency. That was all good, but this is a draft podcast, and to finish off the, this uh, this week's show. You know, we're always going to do this every week. We're going to make sure we do. You know, we're going to we're going to highlight some draft guys. We're going to talk about some prospects that we've seen recently. You know, we're all looking at every position. You know, none of us are focused on one single position. So we're all bouncing around. And so, uh, you know, this week we're going to start with Talon because Talon has a a small school guy that could be an an interesting name uh, for the Chiefs looking for offensive skill positions. Talon, uh, who are you wanting to touch on this week? So I'm looking at South Alabama's Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver, uh, about 6'3", 190. Um, he moves really well on his feet, man. I like I like what he does. He played uh, the primary X role at, at South Alabama. Um, obviously, not a premier conference, not a big time, you know, uh, football school. But uh, what Jalen Tolbert does provide on film uh, makes you, you know, think he's he's valuable for an NFL team right now he's being valued at the third round which I think that would be a a good spot to grab him um now given where the Chiefs select that's late in the third round and and rather or not he'll be there is up for debate but um he's a good route runner especially underneath uh he 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 can he can stand to improve on some of his deeper routes um not great at the separation um he does understand space he understands understands where the open areas are going to be um, he has nice soft hands. He can make contested catches. Um, he's just not consistent with those. Um, but there, there is a lot of good things to like about Jalen Tolbert. He's not the fastest guy in the room, um, but he's fast enough to have a to have a sustained, successful career um, for an NFL team. And I think I think the role he could come in and play with the with the Chiefs has really taken a lot of that um, those uh, the one on ones. The one-on-one yeah. opportunities that are there with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey in house, man, he he could he could really uh, expose some of those lesser cornerbacks. And he's not the biggest guy, but he's not a small guy, and he can really win one-on-ones um, if if given the right technique. And he needs to get more technically sound to do that. But with an NFL staff and and uh, and with the coaching staff that the Chiefs provide, he could really get technically sound and become a really quality receiver. Yeah, you know that I think that's the theme of especially me. I I, I will say I'm I'm guilty, but. You know, the theme of this year looking at receivers is we, we're all kind of looking at maybe just not, you know, necessarily huge guys, but just bigger builds. You know, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, both very fast, smaller builds. They have that kind of role, right? Um, I think Sammy, the one thing beautiful, beautiful about Sammy Watkins was that he had that bigger body plus kind of that speed quickness element where he could be a really good route runner. You know, not everyone's going to be that that talented. I mean, Sammy Watkins was top five pick for a reason, but. Finding guys at Tolbert size, 6'3", 190, according to his, his uh, you know, his page. Uh, obviously, we'll see, we'll get official measurements soon enough um, at the combine. But at, at that size, if you can get someone that can get open, create separation, I mean, that's what the Chiefs really need. You know, Byron Pringle was a solid player in that X receiver role. 
but you can see where they can improve from Pringle in terms of, you know, his, his separation, his route running, his ability to actually get open and, and, and beat, beat a cornerback on a route. Um, I like Tolbert. He is, he's a bigger body that uh, that's kind of exciting as a small school guy, you know, maybe early day three, you know, who knows though, if he has a good combine, you could see him late day two, Brian, I'll throw it to you. You actually have a, a very interesting guy to, to talk about. Uh, lead us off here. Right. I've got John Mechie out of Alabama. So even the casual uh, college football watchers will probably know who I'm talking about here. Big caveat, tore his ACL in December. So he's got a recovery going on. You know, that's something they'll have to figure out at the combine. Like, where is where is he at with that? Where do they expect him to be ready? I would guess the way that that recovery goes these days, he could probably be on the field by training camp, but it's, you know, it's a progression from there, getting him ready to actually play a starting role. Um, He's six foot roughly about 195 pounds. And um, as far as his fitness offense, it's somewhere as, as either the Z receiver or a slot, you know, he can line up a lot of different ways and that's exactly what Alabama did, but he's not that prototypical X type. Um, which I think they'll address in free agency regardless. So, uh, but for me, man, with, with Mahomes, we've seen it for four years now. I just think, give me receivers who can, who can separate. Yes. However, however possible, give me receivers who can get separation because that's clearly what he likes. Yeah. He doesn't want to force the ball into tight windows if he doesn't have to. And that's a big reason why his interception numbers have been so low uh, for the most part. And so with Mechie, what you're getting is a player who can win. Um, you know, when you think about the three ways that you can win at the top of a route, no, he's not really going to win with strength. He's not going to pluck the ball um, in tight coverage away from the D-backs. But what he will do is he'll create separation with his agility, his quickness, his route running in general. Uh, but then also the football IQ stands out uh, thoroughly. And, and one way that it does so is, scramble drill so playing with uh alabama with bryce young he did that a lot and and so he's got familiarity with okay i ran my route maybe i was open maybe i wasn't but the quarterback's running now and i just got to get open and find space that's something that mechie did a really good job with and i would also add seamless transitions into becoming a, a ball carrier so they got him the football quick screens you know, you name it downfield. Yeah. He was very smooth and under control. Um, he's got really good speed. We won't get to hear what his 40 is. Cause like I said, ACL yep. tear, but he's got the speed to, to take the ball, you know, from any distance and, and get it into the end zone. Um, so with the injury situation, and like I said, I think they're going to sign an X who's going to kind of take the pressure off. So you're going to have Kelsey Tyreek, whoever that free agent could be, uh, as I expect, it's going to let Mechie really ease in if they do pick him in the second round. You know, that's probably the sweet spot, maybe the end of that second round. Um, it would let him ease in and eventually take over for probably McCall Hardman. Because, uh, like I yeah. said, this, this guy's a football player, and he is showing things on tape that, quite frankly, McCall just hasn't. Not that yep. McCall doesn't do some nice things. He does, but – it's just a different kind of player and it's something that the chiefs could use, I think in the long term. Yeah. You know, you, you call Mitch, you know, he, he is a, he is a Z receiver, right? He is the the build of a, you know, and has the abilities of more of a Z, but I do think he, he has the 
play strength, at least. He's not a strong guy, but I do think he has the play strength to, you know, win against press, kind of win through physical coverage. Um, you know, I, I, he, you say, you know, he doesn't necessarily, that's not a strength of his to go up and pluck a ball. You know, PFF has him as a, a 11 of 18 contested catch opportunities were made last year, 61%. That's a really good rate for a guy his size. Um, I, I do think Mechie could be, you know, if he didn't get hurt, you know, he, he, we're probably talking about him in the first round, I would imagine. Um, and so you're talking about that kind of talent. I do like that uh, possibility, you know, as a guy that, you know, if they do sign a big guy in free agency, you kind of say, hey, we're betting on the future. We're one of, you, you know, we want to extend the Super Bowl window. If it means we're taking a guy that's not going to play for us in 2022, but he's going to be great for us later on, it's going to be a steal of a pick once he does get healthy. You know, you, you might t you might just take that, right? I mean, you know, you kind of just, even if it means the wide receiver room isn't as deep as you, you'd like it to be in 2022, um, you know, you, you, you take that swing, right? Uh, Jared, I saw you cheer when Brian mentioned John Mechie. Uh, do you have any takes on John Mechie, or are you just excited to see an exciting receiver uh, possibly uh, talk about Chiefs Kingdom? Oh, I'd be very excited about that. I mean, the last few draft these blue chip wide receivers from Alabama. Right. And when we're looking at draft coverage and where the Chiefs would be picking, right, we're we're not even gonna smell these guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, the injury is rough, but it could I mean it's an opportunity to get a player who I don't think the Chiefs would be in a position to go up and grab if he doesn't get hurt. Yeah. Um, I actually like you know, both those players, Mechie and Tolbert, because ultimately I think, I mean, I love the draft. I think too many people get too into the draft for like, what does it mean for week one? And right. the 2022 NFL draft is about what your team's going to be like in 2023. And yeah. I, th I, th I think both of those guys would have a very hard time getting into the offense, but I think they could probably get that year and hit the ground running the next season. Yeah, no, it kind of goes back to Brian's point about, you know, if you do sign a, a, a big name receiver or just a, a starting caliber receiver, you know, maybe you do feel just good about, hey, let's just find a guy that, you know, is more developmental. And that's maybe why he's in the second or third round. But we see a ceiling that he could be a first round type of talent instead of just, take you know, taking a swing on a first round receiver. And, you know, the NFL has proven over and over that you can find a starting receiver, a good, a very good receiver at on day two. Um, so hopefully the Chiefs maybe, you know, think strongly think about doing that. I'll wrap the pod here talking interior defensive linemen because I do think that's also a position. We talk about edge, but I do think the Chiefs just need to get more talent on the defensive line in general. And that could mean, you know, we've seen them kind of, hey, let's bring in Jaron Reed. Let's bring in, although I know Jaron Reed is more of, hey, we're going to maybe move Chris Jones to the outside a little more. But I do think they want to be, you know, not only deep at defensive tackle, but also have solid, always have good starters. And that could mean drafting a guy in the second or first round. And so I was looking at the top five defensive interior defensive linemen for an article that should be coming out soon. But fellas, I want your thoughts if you have them, um, if you have strong thoughts. I, I looked at these guys pretty thoroughly, but you know, one big name that we've heard, if you've been following the draft for the past few years at all, you know, college football, you keep hearing this name, DeMarvin Leal from Texas AM. Um, you know, five star recruit, one of the biggest recruits in Texas. Um, I'm just going to be honest and he played a lot of edge in Texas A&M. So that's kind of where maybe I'm just getting thrown off, but I am not really seeing why he's sometimes thought of as, as this high pick. Um, he just, to, in my eyes, he's a very fundamentally sound player as an edge defender, right? Cause he's about six, four, six, five, two ninety, And so he's kind of that weight where 
he does he is a little too light to play inside it, it sure seems like it i mean he's very fundamentally sound so it seems like you know it, he makes up for it in that way but he's not that explosive to me he doesn't have that great burst that i feel like some other guys do in this class and so that's why i'm a little i'm not sure if i'm gonna be a huge fan of leal in this process honestly i think he might be a tweener he might end up being just a a, a big edge that's very that's a good solid edge that you can start in early downs and play well for you but I don't know if, if he's that, you know, those top two rounds, that defensive tackle you take that has that juice, that Chris Jones type, right? Where obviously Chris Jones was way underdrafted. He was picked at the top of second round. But the reason he was drafted, you know, even high at all is because he had that juice, right? Everyone kind of saw that, even if he maybe was a little light for the interior at times because he was so tall and kind of lean. And so that leads me to another guy that, I've, that I really like uh, is Oklahoma's Perion Winfrey. He blew up at the Senior Bowl. And he is kind of the funny part about Winfrey is like, I could see how he could be a, a big bust because he's not as fundamentally sound as Leal. Um, he, he is more, you know, kind of just, I don't know, kind of just kind of um, not as, 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 as uh, uh, smooth, I guess maybe is the right word. Um, just not as like uh, bendy, I guess. He, I mean, he is kind of bendy, but dude is explosive. Dude penetrates the line of scrimmage and just blows up stuff. Um, looks like Chris Jones at times at his size and, and, you know, his top end plays are just as, as good as anybody in this class from interior defensive lineman standpoint. It's just that he's not as consistent a player. I mentioned he's not as fundamentally sound. So that's where I'm kind of here saying that I think Winfrey, um, gives you that juice, gives you that explosiveness that you want to bet on and Leal where he might be a safe player. Maybe I don't really want to bet on where he just doesn't have the exciting traits. So. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of stay and stand there, uh, Talon, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity if you want to talk about anything, you know, uh, if you have any takes on that or, you know, just in general, you know, if you would rather have that, if you'd rather take the, uh, risk on a, a high ceiling, low floor kind of player where he's got that juice, like I mentioned, or would you rather take this fundamentally sound player that may not be as exciting, but you kind of know he's going to have a solid role in your defense. What do you think? Yeah, that's a it's a really interesting avenue to look at. But you know, with me, I think it all depends on on what you have in house. If you have that fundamentally yeah. sound guy, but he has that, you know, he kind of lacks that that burst or whatever. Um, you know, if if you're if you need a guy that is going to come in and and just be a technician and 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 you know you can just rely on him and you're just lacking talent in that room, go out and get him. Um, but yeah, but if you're if you're a little bit more stacked and you're built a little bit more prepared to and you have a really good coaching staff who can really teach a guy with that natural burst how to be a technician, dude, you're, you're set up for a lot of success. So it, it all just depends on, you know, it's a team by team basis. I don't think there is yeah. a universal yes or no answer. Yeah. You know, personally, I'm just, I'm, I'm taking those traits, man. I'm taking that swing on those traits. Um, you know, cause that's the thing. Leal does have some of those traits, but just not what I'm, you know, the specific trait I really like is just burst, right? Just penetrate the line of scrimmage right even if you're you know it's something that chris jones can sometimes you know you're out a little out of control like it's kind of maybe you're taking yourself out of a play but some of those plays you know all of a sudden the offense has no chance to do anything because chris jones just shot a gap and just you know obviously blew up the entire play um brian do you have any thoughts on just your personal opinion on you know which kind of philosophy you'd take in that instance i, I want disruptors for sure and we talked a little bit about Breland Speaks a while back. Like when I watched Breland Speaks after the Chiefs drafted him, 
you know, he, he didn't really have anything that jumped out to me. And it was why it's kind of a head, a head scratching pick. Um, I remember Veach even saying, well, the, this guy, he's just never on the ground was one of his like, oh, this is what's great about Speaks. Well, I, I want more than that. I, I want somebody who can wreck a play. And yeah. maybe they're going to screw some stuff up now from now uh, from time to time too. But yeah, I want the upside because when we're playing these quarterbacks, the, the Josh Allens, the Burroughs, the Herberts, we need guys who can make a, a game-changing play because we know we're going to give up some points probably. And it's just about can we steal a possession or two from Mahomes? And I think disruptors give you their best chance at that. Exactly. No, in today's NFL, especially like you just mentioned, when you have an offense like the Chiefs do, your defense just needs to make plays, create turnovers, and you know the best players to do that on the defensive line are guys that are just constantly penetrating. You know, maybe accidentally forcing a strip sack uh, because they just shot through the line so quick the quarterback didn't see him coming. That sort of thing. So, yes, Jared, I'm going to let you get any draft other draft takes unless you want to hit on that topic as well. Just kind of what your opinion is on you know what kind of. Uh, you know, defensive lineman you're looking at if you're kind of starting from scratch, but uh, you know, we're we're wrapping it up here, so uh, you know, uh, get your get any draft takes you want off right now. I haven't really looked at the defensive tackle class. So I'm, I mean, I've seen both of these players, but I'm not super in depth to either of them. Right. But you take a guy like Chris Jones. I mean, Chris Jones is at his best when he's got a guy like Derek Nottie next to him, doing all the. I don't know if you want to say boring things, but all the fundamentally sound yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I think Veach has shown that he can find the fundamentally sound guys on day three in an undrafted free agency. If it's me, top two rounds especially, I'm betting big. They've got a rookie salary cap now. It's not like it used to be where your first two picks are making so much money that if you miss on one, it's going to set you back in cap right. Um I would point. always – I would always be swing big in the top 60 picks. Yeah, because, you know, a guy like Travis Jones from UConn is going to be that guy that comes in right away. He's a defensive tackle, and he's going to be able to plug at that one tech and be really good at it right away. It's kind of like when guys like Derek Brown go really high in the draft because you know they're going to be good. Jordan Davis is another example just because he's a massive human being. But you can find guys that, you know, because those guys are going to have a little bit more pass rush juice. You can find guys later in the draft that are, you know, Derek Naughty is a good example. He was third round pick. Um, you know, obviously maybe you can even find him later still, but you know, a guy that can just run stuff, take up a double team, not necessarily get blown off the ball that allows, you know, a guy like Chris Jones at the three tech to go off. So great discussion today. I really enjoyed this guys. This was fun. Um, I'm gonna give, let's just give everyone a chance to, to plug some stuff. Jared, I'll start with you since you were the guest of honor today, you got anything coming up writing wise or just, uh, you know, what, what uh just tell the people where they can find you on twitter and uh you know plug anything you got coming up okay i'm an alum of truman state university in northern missouri you can find me at truman chief um got a couple things i'm working on one thing i'm probably going to work on is i think there's a number of quality free agents who did for some reason or another we're not on teams this year i think there's going to be a number of guys who sign um, probably between the combine and free agency, I'm probably going to take a look this week at some maybe some guys the Chiefs might want to take a look at before free agency starts. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I we you know we actually <laughs> meant to touch on that a little bit, but uh, no, that's good. It'll be in writing form, so we didn't want to spoil it for for the right for the readers. So that's what it was. Uh, no, good stuff, Jared. Appreciate you coming on. Um, 
Talon, Brian, any uh, parting words? Uh, you know, this was a it was a great show. Um, you know, anything you guys got coming up? Any positions you guys are looking at uh, off top of your head? Um, I got a safety top ten um, floating around out there, and now uh, yes, you know, for for those of you that that might you know be interested, um, a, a top ten running back article coming up next week. So um, just be on the lookout for those. That's, that's that's what's in the pipeline right now. But yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, Jared, it was awesome talking to you. I'm going to be picking your brain a lot, so uh, just be prepared for, <laughs> be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, no one get triggered about the the running backs. Come on, guys, we're just we're we're just previewing the entire draft class, so no one get triggered. Uh, Brian, uh, any anything you got coming up that we need to be focused on? I actually just dropped one yesterday, or gosh, has it already been two days? Uh, on Friday afternoon, top ten cornerbacks entering the combine. That was a lot of fun to watch those guys. A lot of a lot of good players um, in this class for that position. Uh, I'll have more things like that coming up, and you know, similar to what we've been doing. Um, and one thing I know. I think I speak for us all uh, that we're excited about is when these free agents start signing and getting to dive into their film and see, okay, what what is it that they saw and and kind of project outward that way. That's something that here in a few weeks I know we'll be doing a bunch of. And Yeah, man, learned a lot from Jared today. So it was great to have him on, and hopefully uh, it'll happen again sometime in the yeah, no, the AP Army is as strong as ever, guys. We got, we got, you know, every corner of, of the Chiefs offices is going to get covered on airheadpride.com. So make sure you're checking. Make sure you're staying tuned into everything. We'll have more podcasts coming out this week. But hope you had fun listening. Thanks, guys, and we will catch you next week.